your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Don't even get the the Chagoski music on. Don't even turn the board on. Rick, doing... I'm not going to say anything until the music comes on. I know we're doing. <laughs> well, that, I mean, you just said something. <laughs> I'm not going to say we, anything else. We're doing <laughs> like we're doing the show before the show, and it's like we're getting we're getting crazy in here. Not crazy, not really crazy, but uh, you know, we're having heated debates in in here before even. There we go. Okay, now I can comment on things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to a Friday. Of Lacrosse Talk PM, a Tregoski Friday, as we do just about every Friday in here on Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. We're in less than two hours away from a Johnson debate with Mandela Barnes. Ron Johnson. Well, we know the star of the show tonight. Bradley Williams. We had Brad call in yesterday, live from Milwaukee. I guess he, if he calls in, he's live wherever he's yeah. from. But he's live from Milwaukee, I guess. And um, they 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 like prep for this thing for two days. I didn't know how much prep went into it. That was really interesting to hear Brad talk about that. I don't. I kind of want to know the process because they're they're like there's a science team or a data team to like probably like a fact checking team. You and- know, Rick, what stood out to me is it's really different from the format that we use here locally for our debates. What ha- what seems to be the case is that there are like five or six panelists asking questions tonight and they're kind of coordinating they're planning with each other they're talking with each other with our debates here i don't have any knowledge of the questions and the panelists don't have any knowledge of each other's questions now two in two weeks we'll have a debate with steve doyle and ryan hipsch correct and jill billings and chris woodard yep uh at the cleary center cleary building we'll have a press release coming out next week about that and um we don't. You don't know the panelists yet, or do you know the like? We know a couple, but we know that it's going to be Wisdom, the Lacrosse Tribune, Wisconsin Public Radio, WXOW, and WKBT. Okay, so we have like five panelists. Yep, five panelists. Um, here's the thing: is we did this two years ago. A, I didn't really even know who was going to be the other panelists. Yeah. B, I didn't. I have no idea what questions they're going to ask. And I kind of like it that way. Well, of, of course. And then C. In that regard, I don't even remember what debates I was part of. I think I remember you were part of the Brad Paff and Dan Kapanke debate for the state senate. Okay, I do. Yeah, and that might have been the only one. Yeah. Um, but I had to have like, so if there's five panelists and we each get maybe two questions, I don't even know if I knew it was two. But I so I just did the math. I'm like, okay, there's five of us. That would be ten questions each. So I have to come up with twelve questions, <laughs> twelve very different topic <laughs> questions because. I mean, the odds are pretty slim that the other five panels are going to ask all of my questions, um, but it's not out of the question that that happened. So I had to I had to be ready. And, um, you know, doing this every day, I could probably wing it, sure. too. But I had a man, I had a and this was that was my first time doing that thing. And and then when it was all said and done, I asked the same question both times. <laughs> I didn't even change my question because I just asked about money and politics. And two years later. Uh, I would say I don't think Brad Paff proposed a bill that the legislature would ignore to get money out of politics because, <laughs> I mean, it is, seems helpless. It's kind of annoying to have only Democrats here in a state legislature that's gerrymandered to Republicans because when I ask Democrats to do things, uh, they can just go, eh, I can I can try, you know, yeah. but like major things that would help politics, I think, in the state, not just not just not little things like fix the roads. Those aren't little things, but they're very specific. But like pol- political things that would change the 
change the game and politics a little bit. Those things are helpless when I had when I have Repo- Dem- Democrats on to talk about it because they can they can answer the best way possible. The best thing that I want to hear or the best thing that uh, Democrats want to hear, they could answer to the extreme because yep. they have no say in it because there there's no power to them. Yeah, when you're the majority party, you get the power to set the agenda, and Republicans are for sure the majority party by a long shot in the Wisconsin state legislature. They will continue to be the majority party because of a combination of gerrymandered maps and the geographic clustering of Democratic voters into urban areas that gives the Republicans a massive advantage when you combine those two things. So even a great Democratic year would still result in a Republican majority in both chambers of the legislature. Now, we know that this is not going to be a great Democratic year. The question, Rick, is if Republicans will get enough seats in the legislature to have a veto-proof majority, meaning that they would get two-thirds of the seats and be able to overcome any vetoes of Governor Evers if Evers gets reelected. If there was a veto-proof majority, do we even need a governor? At that, what, I mean, what is the point of a governor yeah. in Wisconsin? Like, just let's pretend the last two years, right, or the last four years, I guess, was the was a veto proof majority. Do, w- governor Evers might as well just not even be a governor, right, or not? What, yeah. what well, would the governor well, Evers has vetoed an extraordinary number of bills, like a he, record number, right? A, a record number. I don't know why I went like that? With <laughs> Bobby Brady there. You know, it's funny, Rick, because I was asked by PolitiFact this fact-checking organization that is affiliated with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, I was asked by them to comment on a story they were doing regarding Tony Evers following through on his campaign promises. And that was a really hard story to comment on because Evers made all these promises during his 2018 campaign, and so many of them have not come to fruition. It was kind of funny to look down the list of campaign promises that PolitiFact had, and all of them said, stalled in the legislature, stalled in the legislature stalled in the legislature. So that was basically my comment. I didn't really talk about any specific promises Evers made. I more just said that his ability to overall make his campaign pledges happen is completely obstructed, completely reduced by the Republican legislature. If even if, okay, what could Evers do with the GOP? What is it? Veto proof majority. uh, Even if he made, I don't know, like a, like, Biden does executive orders. Even Evers could do executive orders, but those could be overturned. Exactly. So Evers could kind of flex his muscles in terms of executive power, executive orders, using the powers that the governor has. But the legislature, I think, would be pretty aggressive in going after him because they could overcome any efforts that Evers did by just passing a law to overturn it and having that veto proof majority. So that's what politics watchers in Wisconsin are really looking at, it looks like the Republicans will get a veto-proof majority in the state Senate. So most observers of Wisconsin politics do predict that in the state Senate, they will get that veto-proof majority. Does that mean anything if you don't have both houses? you got to have both. Okay, but what about, and, and, we, and that has nothing to do with Evers' cabinet because we're already not confirming Evers' cabinets because yeah. we've already ruled that Republicans can have all the cabinet positions for as long as they live, literally for as long as they live or decide to quit. It, t- their terms be damned. Like, why that did that floor you when that happened? Because this story has come back uh, over the last week or so. It has because we've seen Fred Preen, this member of the DNR board, 
refused to leave, even though his year and a half. Yeah, he's been on there for a year and a half after his term has expired. His six year term. His six. So it's term. not even like a yeah. two year term for you. No, it's dude. You've been here six years. You're a dentist. Like move on. And there are other nominees by Scott Walker, including uh, related to technical colleges yeah. that remain on their that remain in their positions even though their terms have expired so that's definitely something that people have taken note of that the state senate has not really confirmed all that many of governor evers nominees leaving a lot of these positions in limbo leaving positions vacant leaving people in positions whose terms have expired it's been a really odd situation the state senate has been aggressive in going after governor evers but rick it does seem that the Republicans have a much more challenging situation in the state assembly. They have to win some really tough races in order to get to that two-thirds mark in the state assembly. So that's what political watchers are kind of saying. Well, you know, they'll probably get the veto-proof two-thirds in the state Senate, maybe have a much tougher time in the state assembly, but you got to have the two-thirds majority in both to have the veto proof majority. It's just super funny too because they the 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 US no, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said draw the maps, we'll pick the best one and then they pick Governor Evers yeah. team's maps as the best ones based on their qualifications and then they overturn that and then they they must have went, "Oh, you know what? We might not we got a better chance of getting a veto proof majority in the assembly and the Senate if we take these Republican maps and then they just flip flopped on there. It's Rick, just- it was this really bizarre series of events because Governor Evers proposed these maps and the Wisconsin State Supreme Court approved them. Then the U.S. Supreme Court oh, jumped was. in. Was the U.S. The US Supreme Court, Court said, uh, actually, no, you have to rethink these maps. And the U.S. Supreme Court didn't really provide a lot of explanation. They just said, well, you got to go back to the drawing board here. And so the Republican favored maps were then adopted. We, and, and we didn't go back to the drawing board. They just here's our here's the maps we already submitted. Those ended up being the maps. And those maps, everyone was aware gave Republicans a real shot at the two-thirds majority. The Evers maps did not give Republicans a real shot at the two-thirds majority. This is like your dad being the teacher and you're the son in my class and you're trying to get an A so you can get a scholarship. And then I'm like, okay, Anthony, you can pick this answer, A or B. What answer? Which Anthony, which answer do you want, A or B? <laughs> uh, a. Okay. Now, think about it a little bit more. A or B. You should, you know, uh, A or B, B. 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 Yes. Okay. Let's go to the next question. <laughs> the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court's like, okay, Wisconsin Supreme Court, maybe you should go back and rethink this because, uh, yeah. Anyway, we got to take a break. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski in here. Happy Friday, Rick. Oh, yeah, we got to do that, too. Cedric is on hold for you for a minute. I just want to set up. Uh, well, I know what he's going to talk about. But um, debate tonight, Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes, I almost forgot, uh, 7 p.m. You can listen to it right here on Wisdom or the WIZM app, or you can go online. What I like to do is just, I mean, if you if you're just at home, you put the wisdom app on hit play, put it in your pocket, like on your phone. And then yeah. if, or put your Bluetooth headphones in, you can walk, you could do the dishes and listen to the debate. Um, it's also on TV. 
if you uh, if you choose to. Now, will and you by be... the way, Rick, my dad can figure out the Wisdom app. So if my dad can figure out the Wisdom app, anyone can anyone. figure out the Wisdom app. Yeah, it was. My dad has evolved with texting too. It's it's more than the just a Y or an N. Yeah. For answers, <laughs> <laughs> like you have to ask your dad yes no questions to hope for a text back. Um. Anyway, so you will be glued to your TV for this or do you are you just going to watch it at your leisure some Yeah, I, I'll be watching it tonight because I've been asked by Mike Hayes to come on Lacrosse Talk next week to talk well, about you got, it. You got till Monday to figure. You yeah, can, you yeah, can watch it at yeah. your leisure though. No, I I've got I've got a, you know, it's one of those things where if something crazy happens, you want to see it live. And you got do you have to be now, somebody, oh, Adam Murphy, the failed Senate candidate that I like to have on. I call him the political blowhard now. He's great. Uh, a guy that's got his master's in, in poli-sci and business. So he's he's kind of the best of both worlds in that regard, especially now. But, um, he, you know, he was talking about he'll watch the debate and maybe so he can be on Twitter so he could lie. Like, yeah. He wasn't saying he was going to live tweet it, but I'm like, you do not need to live tweet the debate. Like we we can let as us as a live tweeter, Rick. I take that personal. Let us watch the debate and then provide commentary later. Because either I go to watch the debate. I, this was always a thing in sports is they would live tweet the game, and it's just okay. Like oh, Billy runs for a seventeen yard gain or whatever it was, you know. And it was like nobody nobody needs this. Like maybe put the touchdowns up or the score, but beyond that. Um, all right. So speaking of debates, Cedric's calling in here. Cedric, I appreciate you calling in. You go ahead. You're on with Anthony. Hi, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Yeah. Got an idea how WIZM can save the debate gridlock in Wisconsin's third. Okay. Okay. The station should host the debate at the Lacrosse Republican headquarters, moderated by Mike Hayes. Who asked the question? You guys. You guys feature eight straight hours of. Hard right conservative programming daily, and no one can excuse Mike Hayes of being a liberal. Yeah. If Derek Van Norden has heard any of Mike's tongue bass interviews with Ron Johnson, he might go for it. Um, yeah, it's a good proposal, Cedric. Uh, we thought of it. <laughs> so that was I, actually my idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, I mean, it, it was a. It's not my idea. Was not exactly Cedric's idea, but yeah, my idea was, was not radically different than that. I thought Mike Hayes would be a great moderator. We and we weren't going to have Mike Hayes moderate it. We would have him be his panelist. Yeah, and Brad Williams would be the other panelist. Right. And we had somebody lined up that was not. I would say that was more right wing than left wing. We were trying to, but like non not affiliated officially with either party. Right. Uh, it, yeah, not affiliated. We had we had it all lined up, and uh, we're not going to debate the third congressional district. Will not have a debate. Yeah. Not and and there's it's, not it's and when Derek so Van Orden says he wants a town hall, well, it's too late to hold a town hall because yeah. you have to get a town hall, you have to have a hall, and then you have to get a town to get there. And you can't have one town hall in a in a district that takes four hours to get from one end to the yep. other. Like where are you gonna have the town hall? Like somewhere in between Stevens Point, Eau Claire and Lacrosse? Like do it in a rural area? Is that because because all Republicans are rural? The notion that there are no Democratic Republicans, but um. Yeah. So Derek Van Orden will not debate Brad Paff. I think Brad Paff would go anywhere and debate with at any time. He would. Uh. You know, even if it was Mike Hayes, and- he would absolutely. Brad, Brad Paff would absolutely do that because he's getting so outspent on the airwaves and is just at such a resource advantage disadvantage that is clearly in Brad Paff's interest to debate. And while Derek Van Orden, meanwhile, 
has the resource advantage, he can lean on those paid messages. Well, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. With and I don't, I don't want to talk about the Johnson Mandela Barnes debate a whole lot with you because it just mm-hmm. goes away in the ether in an hour. It's done. Like we don't even care anymore. But Ron, jo- but they are debating three times, right? This month, there's three debates. Only two. There's two, be- and there's one in the Evers Michaels race. Yeah, and that is the fewest since 1998. Okay, so two debates between Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes. So that it's not all that irrelevant. But, but, but when you say Derek Van Orden has the advantage here in money, and he has, he probably has a, a, a percentage advantage in polling. I would uh-huh. say if there even is polling, is uh-huh. there polling in this? I'm aware of some private polling. There's not much public polling. Okay, I would just guess that Van Orden just has an advantage. Um, so where was I going with this? He he doesn't want to debate because he has the advantage. He, he's just going to go by his laurels. And, and by whatever he puts out there, and as long as he's not put on the stage and he can call it bias, that's that's thinking less of what kind of questions I would ask the candidates because I have very good questions that I want answers to. Uh, daylight savings, by the way, what would you do there? Uh, uh, that's the but, most important one. Right, but um, so he doesn't want to do it. But Ron Johnson, on the flip side, has said the same thing when it should be Mandela Barnes that's saying, Ron Johnson won't debate me, Ron Johnson won't debate me. I don't know why, I don't know if it's true, but Ron Johnson has said Mandela Barnes is hiding. He doesn't want to debate. I don't, I think maybe he's just saying that for headlines, but he's also like showing that, apparently showing that he's not afraid to debate, or is he just lying here? What's going on? Rick, this whole debate thing has made my head spin this cycle because Ron Johnson wanted three debates. He got two because Mandela Barnes was a little reluctant to agree to three debates. Mandela Barnes was kind of pressured into doing two. Okay, well, that's reverse roles, right? Mandela Barnes should want all the debates. Yeah, and then Evers and Michaels, neither candidate's staff is thrilled about the idea of their candidate debating because on Evers' side, we know that Evers is someone who's not the – let's just say flashiest politician. He's not a great orator. No, he's not. And And he talks, he talks way too quiet. So like you got to crank his mic. Evers, Evers doesn't come across well on the debate stage. He stopped smacking his lips at least. It's not the right format for him. It's not a good format for him. And so his staff didn't want a lot of debates. Meanwhile, Tim Michaels has had debates in the past where he said things and then the next day, his campaign has to clean it up and say, mm-hmm. oh, here's what he actually meant. Here's he's, what he was actually saying. He's he's younger and maybe has more fire, but he's not a great orator either. I, the, I get that. Like Some people just aren't going to be great at debates because they're, yeah. you get them in front. I think Hillary was kind of crappy at debates while Donald Trump is only good at grabbing attention during a debate. You know, like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, we got to take a break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk Kim. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Okay, so I have some information. I want to I want to like break this down before it becomes a news story nationally because this will be a national news story because it literally affects the entire nation. And I don't you're going to have to explain the Senate thing again cuz you're going to go check it cuz I'm throwing this at you without any without any prep work. So a year ago, I believe, and to great fanfare on this show, the United States Senate, I would say, accidentally passed a daylight savings bill, or that would a daylight saving, it's singular, that would I I believe that I believe we keep it year long as opposed to get rid of it year long. I believe daylight saving, we are in daylight saving now. I think it, that's right. And then in a month we'll flip the clocks 
uh, fall back. So it'll be early. It'll be dark at five o'clock. Um, but the Senate did a whoopsie, kind of like the Minnesota government. Republicans in Minnesota accidentally passed THC edibles, basically legalizing marijuana in Minnesota. Oops. Whoopsie. Uh, U.S. Senate. The U.S. Senate did this for something that sweeps the nation. It will literally affect everybody except two states because Indiana and Arizona already do a daylight saving thing. And uh, I believe it was Tom Cotton's was supposed to go to the Senate. Anyway, so uh, anyway, the Senate passed it. And I'll let you break down the Senate in a second here. Mm-hmm. But the U.S. House of Representatives, the democratically led U.S. House of Representatives, who you know, I champion is pushing a lot of the stuff to the table that we're going to vote for. And we're going to pass this stuff because a lot of times they pass it. And I, I think they pander. A lot of times they pass this stuff knowing that it's going to die in the Senate. Exactly. And but, but when it comes to this thing that I would say a lot of people are for, but the Senate accidentally passed daylight savings. We did this. The U.S. Senate could put this on the table and pass it. And come next year, we would not change the clocks anymore. They would be this time zone the whole time or this time. And... um. I have talked to a U.S. House rep that says it's not going to be put on the table, and they gave me excuses like, we're too busy trying to pass a budget and this and that. And I was just like, why don't you just throw it into the budget? Because you know the budget's got 100 billion things in it. It's going to be 17,000 pages long, and uh, all the Republicans are complaining about how big the budget is, and we can't pass this without even reading it. Uh, Well, just throw the daylight savings thing in there then and pass that as well. Rick, it shocked the political world when the Senate voted to, well, voted sort of to make daylight savings time permanent as we talked about on this show they used the procedure in the senate called unanimous consent where anything in the senate can be done by unanimous consent meaning unanimous everyone has to agree to it everyone who's in the room everyone who's in the room if one person objects then there is nothing that happens and because a lot of it times, has to be unanimous. And a lot of times we've used, we as the Senate, the Senate has used Ron Johnson as the objector, right? Yep. Like we're to do this thing. Ron will always object because for whatever reason, Ron likes to just, he doesn't care if his name's on the thing or not. What happened here was reportedly the person who was supposed to object, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, was not there because his staff forgot to tell him. Well, that let's not. This we're was, not going to blame the we're staff. We're not going to blame the Tom staff. Tom Cotton says he... Blame, Tom Cotton blames his Tom staff. Tom Cotton blamed his staff. Okay. Said that, hey, I was supposed to be there in the Senate to object to making daylight savings time permanent. I wasn't there. Oops, it passed the Senate. Yeah. So everybody, <laughs> the, the only Democrats are left. Why Why uh, passing daylight savings as a Democrat versus it actually, Republican It actually thing? was a bipartisan issue, Rick, because it was supported by Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, and Marco Rubio of Florida. So, oh, so it was a it was a, a totally Republican thing. This has been apparently Marco Rubio. <laughs> that was a joke. Christian yeah, right. right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, Marco Rubio of Florida, Republican senator, has pushed for this for years. Yeah, and so it actually wasn't a partisan issue. Okay. It was something that Rubio kind of snuck through, and there were some Democrats who supported it as well. And it just stunned people. Like, whoa, the Senate did what? Right, because the Senate doesn't do anything. Because we have to get 60 people to agree on a thing to get anything done in the Senate. Yeah. And the only thing we ever do is just raise the military budget. That's the only thing that seemingly passes the Senate. 
And uh, we got to get rid of the filibuster is always the talking point of the Senate, except that we can do this secret thing in the Senate where if anyone's in the room while we try to pass a bill and nobody objects, we get to pass it willy nilly. Like, like it's the hardest thing to pass in this, like the hardest place to pass a bill. And then also the easiest place to pass a bill. And Rick, just courtesy in the Senate means that you tell people what you're going to do. So you don't always the Senate isn't like trying to sneak things through constantly on unanimous consent. It was just this mishap that happened and it resulted in this stunning development in the Senate to make daylight savings time permanent. Right. But like but Rick, like you're saying, it makes the House of Representatives excuse all the more preposterous because the Senate did this in a matter of minutes. You're right. I mean, that's the whole thing about unanimous consent. You don't really debate it. You just say, I ask for unanimous consent to do blah, 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 blah. And if no one objects, then it happens. And I guess there could be debate. You could you could cite studies, sure. uh, kids uh, getting in accidents when it's dark out, uh, waiting for the bus. I don't know, like runners in the morning, but like whatever you could you could you could come up with studies or you could just go and see who because I'm pretty sure that. Our representatives, I mean, are they deep diving into the numbers to see whether or not it's better to have daylight in the morning or no. in the evening? No, they are not. So just just vote it like, yeah. or vote it out. I, like, but, but vote on it. It is funny, though. This is like literally one of those bills that uh, everything. So a, a lot of the bills that pass affect the nation yep. in one way or the other. But we don't ever feel that, right? Like we might literally feel it when Lacrosse Street gets fixed and, and that's a state. Sure. Like we might literally. But we don't like actually... It's so indirect, right? But this thing, like, literally, will affect what what it's like when you wake up or when you come home from work. Like, I will. It's I such will. a like. It would be like we're going to pass a thing that you can no longer drink water, like it, <laughs> you know, or just something. You can no longer turn your lights on after seven p.m. It's just something that is so like directly effective, and the and it sweeps everyone in the nation except, I believe, Indiana and Arizona don't abide by the same rules. Um, so I just thought, yeah, it's funny. A, a U.S. House rep said to me. They're probably not going to vote on it because they're too busy. Well, the same excuse was used for the same-sex marriage bill that, oh, we just got so much stuff going on. We can't really fit it in until after the election. Of course, the key word there is after the election. Let's do the tough stuff after the election. Ron Johnson was, I think, pretty pleased that the same-sex marriage bill was delayed until after the election because that was going to be a tough vote for him. Either way, he voted he was going to come under criticism and so he's able to avoid that because this issue is not going to be taken up before the election. It's going to be taken up in what we call the lame duck, the part of Congress, uh, the part of Congress's schedule between the election and the swearing in of new members. Yeah, when old members who aren't even maybe going to be reelected get the vote on stuff that will yeah. affect the nation. And yeah, it's out. like it's like the who cares? We're phoning it in stage. Right. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about that a little bit. I have a, a, a rant here to go on, uh, but it, we'll need time. So I got to take a break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914. So, Mike, my, my, I'll just throw my conspiracy theories out here Ooh. on why the Senate isn't going to pass or why the House won't put on the table the daylight savings bill, daylight saving bill, where next come next year, if they passed it, we wouldn't have to change our clocks come next month. And therefore, I might get like 15 minutes after the show to go walk my dog with some sunlight, you know, like just a little bit of dusk. Where, sure. uh, but 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 it's not going to happen. So my one theory, conspiracy theory, is it, you, you mentioned Rubio. Yep. Republican in Florida. Yep. In a tight race mm-hmm. to, to win that seat. The Senate, and he's a senator. 
and the Senate is at 50-50 right now. So any seats that uh, Democrats or Republicans can gain. So Democrats own the House. They can decide whether or not, and they don't want to put this on the table because then Rubio can take that to the to to the masses and say, "Hey, look at I passed this thing that literally affects daylight in your in our in our state, and therefore uh, the, the Republicans get an advantage in a Senate." There is race. something to that, Rick. I think because Marco Rubio, we've noted, has been pushing for this change for years to make daylight savings time permanent. He's in a pretty competitive race up for reelection in Florida, and so to have a major achievement like this. I guess what would be considered a major achievement pass right before the election could give him a little bit of a boost. So I think that the Democrats are pricing that in. They're considering that in their deliberations. My other not so conspiratorial theory is that the House is just like, yeah, we under because it's not a Republican bill or a Democrat bill. You say passing daylight saving. The House goes, okay, we we see that you whoopsied this bill. Yep. And therefore we will we will ignore it. And you're welcome. Yeah. Do us a favor next time. Yeah, I think the House understands that the Senate messed up or passed this under unusual circumstances, like we said, because the person who was supposed to object to this bill passing wasn't physically in the Senate. And so, oops, we accidentally made daylight savings time permanent or we voted to do that in the Senate. And so I think the House understands that. Can you can you do like a homework assignment and find out how many times the Senate has actually maybe not whoopsie a bill like this, but how many times would the Senate have passed a bill based on what is very awkwardly called unanimous consent? It happens all the time. Oh, it does. Yep. Okay, so that's weird. Well, then it's like renaming a post office. They would use unanimous okay. consent for that. But they just this one just happened to be something that sweeps the yep, entire nation. Exactly. Okay. Um, all right. One more thing. So I talked to Ryan Hipsch, a GOP representative candidate in the assembly going against Steve Doyle, the Democrat mm-hmm. in the race, uh, just about the 10 months off that the state legislature has. Right. Like I always it's make nice fun vacation. of I always make fun of the fact. And, and Ryan Hipsch says he's worked in the state Senate with a couple of Republicans over the years. And he said, that actually, during this 10 month period. Those legislators work very hard. And when I told you this earlier, you laughed. <laughs> I don't, I don't, look, like, I, don't, I don't doubt that there are hardworking people in the state legislature, but that needs to be more apparent to the public. Because I think right now, when the public looks at the state legislature, they see a group of people who are barely on the job and are collecting a full-time salary. Yeah, and I think that is that fundamentally undermines confidence that the public has. Yeah, and I have two problems with this. And Ryan could be right. He could, he could say state legislator goes home. He said two things. They actually go back to their towns sure. where they represent, and they talk to constituents. Yeah. He said on the flip side, you also don't, because they stop session in March, so they're off the last 10 months of the year before an election. He said you also don't want the state legislature passing a bunch of bills during an election period because we'll just point and go, oh, you're just trying to score points during election, whatever. And 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 maybe you're you're just trying to get reelected. So you're passing bills to just pander to your constituents. All right. So maybe those are true. But um, you're you're the the Republicans already did this four years ago. They passed a bunch of bills after the election. We've we've already talked about it. Lame duck period. So we've already we've already done this. Like Republicans don't care about like, oh, yeah. And also. If that last 10 month period where you're just talking to your constituents, well, talking to them about what? Oh, you have a big issue that, okay, well, let me see what I can do. It, like, 
we're out of session, so we can't take this to the floor. And also, like, I might not be your your legislator next year during our ten month off period. I might not even be representing you, and therefore, what the hell, like. <laughs> So. Yeah, Rick, the the decisions of what to do and what not to do are always tied up in electoral politics. And I'll give you two examples. The first example I'll give you is Joe Biden pardoning low-level marijuana offenders and requesting that the Department of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General reconsider how marijuana is classified as a drug. What a shock. That comes a month before Election Day. Did he do it too early? I feel like he needs to do this in like three weeks. He may have done it a bit early, but of course he was going to do it right around Election Day. Early voting's already starting. Early voting is already starting. We know that young people need quite a bit of a shove in order to vote usually because young people don't vote generally. They especially don't vote in midterm elections. And Joe Biden understands that this is a really popular issue, especially among younger the younger crowd. But overall, it's just a popular issue to reconsider federal policy on marijuana. So, of course, he was going to do this close to Election Day. Meanwhile, the Republicans are not taking up Tony Evers' proposals to reform the abortion law, the 1849 abortion law in Wisconsin. Is that, is that called a binding referendum that he's proposing? Yeah, you know, Tony Evers is proposing minute, he's proposing a method that the voters could have a say on this issue. Something that Ron Johnson said he agreed Ron with. Ron Johnson has proposed the same thing that the voters should have the ability to vote on the legality of abortion in Wisconsin, but that cannot currently happen. That's what I don't fully understand about Ron Johnson's proposal, because he's proposing something that is not allowed under Wisconsin law. You can't just put a law on the ballot in Wisconsin. That is not a thing that happens. He needed to say this a couple months ago while they were in session. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I frankly, Rick, I think we should take a look at reforming Wisconsin to be able to put proposed laws right. on the ballot. If, but if voters can decide who's going to be on the ballot, literally yeah. like Governor Evers or Governor Michaels, like if we're going to decide who's going to be the governor, we also should be able to vote on what's going to be law. Yeah, I, I think there's a really good case to be made for that, Rick. And. You know, that's the odd thing about Ron Johnson's proposal. It's an interesting idea to have the public vote on abortion, but it just cannot currently happen. A nice, easy thing for Ron Johnson to say right before an election that can't get done, and then he won't comment on the state legislature gaveling in and out in 30 seconds on it. All right, that's the show. Thanks, everybody.